There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tony Award winner Leia Salonga performs live this Friday for Broadway in the Park at Wolf Trap in Vienna, Virginia. She joined me to discuss her groundbreaking career, including winning a Tony and Miss Saigon on Broadway, the first Asian actress to do so, as well as providing the iconic Disney singing voices of Princess Jasmine in Aladdin and Mulan in Mulan. Leia Salanga, hey, thank you so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. Oh, sweet. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're talking because you're coming to Broadway in the Park at Wolf Trap in beautiful Virginia on Friday, June 16th. Uh, it's the third annual Broadway in the Park. They do it every year. And this year it's going to be you and, and Tony nominee Megan Hilty. Everyone knows of Smash and Wicked and 9 to 5 mm-hmm. the Musical, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, so what, what do we have in store for this? Is there a way uh, to tease the, the set list or the general vibe? What, what do we got? Oh, heck no. I'm not going to tease anything. <laughs> I'm not going to tease anything. Um, but yeah, when I was asked to come and be a part of it, it was like, wow, this is going to be a lot of fun. And DC is always a city that I enjoy visiting. And it's, yeah, I think this is going to be, it's going to be a really good time. Absolutely. So if obviously you can't tease the songs because you got to come out to actually hear it in person, folks, we got to leave something for you. But, you know, if there's a way like is it is it going to be like the the greatest hits of your musical theater shows that you've both have been in? Is It's called Broadway in the Park, so I assume it's all your greatest Broadway numbers. Not always. No. Um, I mean, whenever I do concerts, I try to make sure that there is a nice mix of material that people are familiar with, but also material that people might not be familiar with. Um, and that, that includes me. I mean, it, I like doing stuff that sometimes is new, sometimes is challenging and is not expected. So I guess that will apply here as well. And yeah, um, sometimes I like including things that I haven't sung in a while. So you're just all going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there will also be a bunch of, you know, local actors from Signature Theater here in Virginia. And I think, you know, Signature Theater's artistic director is, is going to be involved. So it's going to be a, a lot of local flavor as well as the, you know, you Broadway stars. Um, right. Whenever I have someone famous on, I love to sort of hear your journey in case there's young folks listening that want to get into this. So I know you're born in Manila, oh, sure. Manila in the Philippines. Yeah. Yes. What, what started it for you? Was it like family parties? Did I read that a cousin urged you to audition for The King and I? Or what started it for you? Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> when you're a kid and you can sing, you're going to have, you know, a, a mom like mine who will volunteer for you to sing at family parties. But I, I was, I don't remember being like the only one who would actually like get up and sing and do stuff in front of uh, other members of the family. 
Um, but yeah, so my mom would ask me to sing and I would sing something. I mean, whatever. Um, and then one of my cousins who was very active in musical theater told my mother um, to bring me to these auditions for the King and I, which the theater company she was working with was, um, was going to mount um, not long after that one particular party. And I just remember going to these auditions and my mom just taking me, it was like, whatever, and getting up on the stage and feeling absolutely no fear. And I just remember getting up and singing and it wasn't one of those life changing events where it was like, Oh my God, once I got on the stage, this was it. And I didn't want to, it was like, okay, it was nice. It was fun. I didn't feel (laughs) afraid. There were other kids who were going to be part of the show as well. So I guess that meant I wouldn't, you know, the onus was not going to be on me to, you know, perform in a very particular way or whatever. It was like, all right, bunch of kids, makeup, costumes, performing in front of people. Sure. And I was six at the audition. And then I had a little birthday celebration during rehearsals and went on stage when I was seven. And it was, I just remember it being fun. And I remember, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really recall it being, you know, a lightning and thunder <laughs> event of any kind, you know, as I'd said, right. it was, it was just something that I thought was a lot of fun. And I didn't really think that it was going to be the lifelong career that it turned out to be, but yeah, <laughs> I went in, it, it was, it was just basically, you know, joining a production, auditioning for one. And, and that was that. And then joining more and doing it more and then getting more responsibility as I got older. So it wasn't like the heavens parted and the light came down and said, this is what I must do. It was like, oh, okay, I like this. I'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, that it, it was as simple as that. I love it. Well, uh, you, you, you really, you know, made good on that <laughs> um, because um, I read somewhere that, that you were considered like the Shirley Temple of the Philippines, like for like a movie role in addition to all the theater roles you were doing. I mean... As a kid, I had gotten awards for live entertainment because I started doing film at around 10. And I think I think we all must have gotten nominated for some film because it was entered into a film festival. And, you know, at that film festival, I guess, if you were one of the leads or one of the featured players, you got nominated. And what was it called? What was the movie? I, uh, it was like, it was just five kids. So it was, <laughs> if I was, it was like, if I was to translate it, it, it would translate as um, kids troop. Okay. That's it. It was a kiddie movie. And yeah. there was some sadness. There was a lot of comedy. And it was the very first movie I ever did. So I was around kids that were really good at turning on the waterworks on cue. And it was something that I was, I was taken aback by it because I was like, how is this? How are they doing this? You're like, I don't know how to cry on command. <laughs> no, no. And I, and I kind of still don't. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I, if I know that a scene is going to require, I guess, heavy emotion, then it, it's, I guess it's context for me. It's, right. it's like a, a cry on cue. Just, you know, I, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> you know, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't have a why I need a why I need a reason I need. You know, it was, I don't know. I just found it really difficult. And these, these kids were just so skilled at it. And it was, I'm like, I was like, this is 
these kids are amazing. They were great actors. So that was never, you know, so I'm, I'm sure that they could see things that I hadn't yet learned at, at that point. But yeah, right. it, was, it was nuts. Absolutely. Well, what, that that's crazy. They could just turn on the waterworks like that. But um, oh my gosh, yeah. One more, one more question of those very early days before we get to the big, you know, Miss Saigon breakthrough at age eighteen or whatever. But before that, like really quick, didn't you, didn't you, uh, do some recording as a young singer too? Like your album, I Small did. Voice, and and Leia was the second album, and didn't you even open for like Stevie Wonder in Manila. Like I want to know some of the early like singing uh, side of things that that you got to experience at a okay. young age. Well, the opening for Stevie Wonder, it happened just before I was uh, started auditions for Miss Saigon. So that was kind of much like later. Um, well, later in my younger career. Yeah. Um, but as the far later as the later part of the early, <laughs> the later part of the early. But yeah, I started doing records when I was maybe nine or 10. And it was my mom that was producing those records. And the only reason she did it was because she was trying to get recording companies to take a listen and consider signing me. And all of them flatly told her no, because they didn't think that a, a record that was, you know, that had a kid's voice on it, they didn't think that it was a moneymaker. They didn't think that there was anything to it. And she wanted to prove everybody wrong because my mom is doggedly stubborn like that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we, you know, she got some money together, um, created this recording company. We had already invested some money in um, musicians recording time studio time and I had put a couple of songs down we didn't put an, a full album down yet so it was just two songs um, to you know to bring to recording companies and she was like everybody said no so she created her own and started first with the single started selling the single first just to see if if there was a place in, in the market for somebody like me and so she would go to, there was this street in, the, in Manila called Raon, where you would have like a row of music stores. And it was like, not just, it's not, it wasn't just like tower music. It was, you'd have records, you'd get sheet music. Wow. And like musical instruments that were all hanging on the wall or something. Cool. And yeah, it was really, it was actually really cool. And I, I'm like, these could come back because I mean, there, there might just be, I know there, there might be kids who will want to put up a store, you know, to go to a store like this. Cause it was right. just, not just was all, on, not just all digital streaming. And it's kind of cool yes, to have a row of brick and mortar stores. Yeah. It was, it was kind of incredible to go store after store after store. Those were the, those were the wares. You could get a harmonica, yeah. you could get sheet music for your piano. You could get um, a guitar or these other string instruments um it's called rondalia but, but there are different kinds so there's like an octavina you can have a banduria you can have all of these small and i used to play a banduria but that's a whole other conversation um it was like a mandolin but smaller and it had a very particular sound but yeah so anyway back to my mom she <laughs> would take orders from the own she would take orders from the owners of these music stores and and so okay like let, let's do 20 you know 20 of the 45s and whatever and so she would take orders and she would fulfill them and leave and so she'd do this for an entire row of stores just the supply would be in her 
in the trunk of her station wagon, it was the mommy mobile of the day, if you will. So right. the next thing she knew, the store started calling her back saying, would you and could you please refill? And it turns out that there were parents that were looking for something to play for their kids. And that record was, I guess, filling a gap in the market that I don't think anyone really knew existed. So here comes this gap in the market and here's this kid singing, you know, a, a Disney song and as a song from the Muppet movie. And it was, it, my mom was like, felt so vindicated, you know, by what was happening. And so, yeah, she resupplied, she fulfilled more orders and she made enough money. We made a full album and, and here goes my recording career wow. like in earnest. Wow. It, it sounds like we need to give mom so much credit for getting, helping getting this thing going here. That's so great. Totally. Oh my oh, gosh. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, and I try to give her as much credit as I absolutely can. Um, and what's and, her name? Cause I'm going to write an article with this. How do I spell your mom's name? Okay. My mom's name is Ligaya and it means happiness or joy. So her English nickname is actually joy. <laughs> um, so you spell it L I G A Y A. Okay. And then I can say like joy in, in quotes or something as her nickname. Yeah. So, yeah. And, totally. and, so, was... and it's Salanga as well. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I got, I just wanted to get that right. I got to give mom the proper shout out here. She did so much for you. Okay. All right. So, really uh, did. And then, okay, now now we're in, you know, the big breakthrough role of Kim in Miss Saigon. Uh, I guess, what are you, 18 years old or something, set during the Vietnam War? You win the Olivier right. Award on West End, and then when it comes to Broadway, you win the Tony. Wait, am I am I correct to say uh, I read somewhere that you were the first Asian descent actress to win a Tony? Is that right, for that role? Okay, so I'm not, I'm certainly not the first Asian, nor am I the first Asian woman to win a Tony Award. The very first Asian, as far as I know, to ever win a Tony Award, like ever, 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 is B.D. Wong for uh, Best Featured Actor in M. Butterfly. And that was, and I've seen the play and I can only imagine how incredible he must have been. Um, B.D. Wong is somebody who's quite well known to people as the voice of Shang in Mulan. Mm -hmm. And he's also been on um, Law & Order SUV for a very, very long time um, as the psychologist with a very, very... Um, calming demeanor and calming mm -hmm. voice. Lovely man. Um, and then the second Asian, as far as I know, to win a Tony is costume designer Willa Kim, who won the costumes for the Will Rogers Follies. Mm. So she was the first woman, as far as I know, to win a Tony Award. But I'll have I'll really have to do a deep dive into who won what. Right. But the the thing I the thing is I know that she won it because we both got our Tony Awards on the same night. So, you know, <laughs> um, so, so, so I knew I saw it happen. I saw, I, I heard them say, and the winner for best costume designer is Willa Kim for the Will Rogers Folly. So I was in my seat at the men's cop theater. I saw it happen and I was like, oh my gosh, that's really amazing. And so to, for me, I'm like the first Asian actress to win a Tony award. So we really have to just keep qualifying. We have to really make that. 
I want to give you credit for shattering the glass ceilings, but we got to make sure it's the right ceiling we're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. Well, just beyond beyond the historic wins and everything, like just memories of Miss Saigon. I mean, that is an an iconic role now and you, you got to originate it. I mean, that must be, you must take such pride in that. I do. And, but it, but it was also a very, it, it was tough. I think anybody that has ever originated any role, wherever you've done it, um, because you're basically breaking new ground and you're going on uncharted territory. It's like, okay, how is, what is this? What is this going to turn into? What is this going to be? Um, and you don't always know. It's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's like being in a dark room and you don't have a flashlight and you're feeling your way around just to try and get your bearings and, and, you know, but you know, as time goes on, a little more light comes in and you get, you know, and you're starting to, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, okay. Now I understand what this is. But yeah, it it's it's hard. It's very hard. And, you know, folks that have never originated anything before, it's, 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 this is just, it's an adventure and it's not always fun. <laughs> Right. originating something yeah and you know it gets stressed there is a lot of there's anxiety there is stress there is you know the what what on earth am i doing it's <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot um well there's and, no template you know, there's no blueprint for you to go off exactly. of because you're inventing no, you're drawing the there, blueprint <laughs> there is no stencil there right. is nothing there's no guideline there is there's nothing um and you don't know what the demands are going to be until you're actually in the belly of the beast. And then you're, then you're starting to figure things out. And it's like, uh, okay, I got this. Um, we need another actor to play the other two shows <laughs> and then, you know, things like that. Um, and yeah, you, you figure out level of fitness, you figure out physical demand, uh, you figure out how, how much rest you're going to need. And those are things that only the person who originates a role is able to figure out. And then you're able to pass the template on to whoever takes over from you and hope that, you know, and hope and pray for the best that they're able to keep building upon that and run with it. But yeah, it's it hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, well, I'm sure future Kims and future Miss Saigons were appreciative of your you getting having a stencil to work from, unlike you. Yeah, but I, I still feel that I the need to apologize to every single one of them <laughs> for the stencil being what it turned out to be a rough sketch <laughs> but you yes. a, win, a tony winning rough sketch uh right. well all right i'm bradley trainer and i'm don mcclain we have a podcast called blinded by the item a blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out it's a guessing game and you can play along the item might be like this a-list star carries a birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, then 
right from there uh, is the in 1992. You know where I'm going with this. Is the one we all know you from is the, exactly. sing, the singing voice of Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. And I have to say singing voice because I know the spoken voices were were what? The guy from Full House, Scott Weiner and, and Linda Larkin, right? Uh, but yeah. but you, and, you and Brad Kane were singing that iconic Oscar-winning song, A Whole New World on the Magic Carpet. Are you, so right. what is your memories of of, of stepping in with, and with Brad singing that? Are you in a booth together? Is he saying, don't you dare close your eyes like right next to you or is that recorded separately? Or I want to know the, the details. No, we were, we were, well, for the morning session because we were there the whole day so for the morning it was based it was to record the orchestra because the orchestra did everything together it was not like strings isolated or um you know woodwinds isolated it's everybody this massive orchestra all of them playing together um and so we had to kind of be in an isolation booth so was that our vocals wouldn't bleed into the orchestral mix so we, we were in an isolation booth singing the song so that the orchestra could have us as, as a reference. And we were doing all of this together in the morning. And then the orchestra being as incredible as they are, then they leave. And then we are left in the studio to focus on the vocal performance. But yeah, so yeah, he was singing Don't You Dare Close Your Eyes because we were kind of in, an, in two isolation situations and but we could still see each other through glass and kind of do this performance together but separated if that makes any sense at all right yeah in addition to just the you know the performance of it in the booth like just speak to the song itself like why do you think it's so magical i mean it's one of the it might be the greatest disney song of all time if you ask me it's right up there but why, <laughs> as, a, as a song why i mean it just it's so magical it is it is it is i think i i, I because i mean we see the genesis of two people falling in love and there is always so much hope that goes along with that especially in a disney movie um where you see kind of the beginnings of two people, you know, clearly they are attracted. Clearly their attraction has already been established earlier on in the film, but then you see, you know, you see all of this wonderment and all of this beauty. I mean, they're, they're flying through the sky and already that's beautiful. And then they're going through to different parts of literally the whole world. Yeah. I mean, these, you know, and they're, they're sitting on a rooftop by the end in what I can surmise is China. They're going they're, you know, they see the nose of the Sphinx fall down They're, <laughs> you know, I guess they're, they're seeing the world, I guess, whatever the world might mean in, in those days, historically. And it's beautiful. You're seeing animals, you're seeing, you know, the heavens and the stars and, fluffy clouds you're you're it's just the setting that is so romantic um never mind that the character of the boy is based on a lie <laughs> right 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 Prince Ali. boys lie men lie <laughs> and we see it happen in one of the best disney songs of all time. <laughs> but he it, they come they come around in the end and find real love in the it. end yeah i mean yes they're, they're at that 11th hour we see yeah. a conversion and we see <laughs> the realization of the wrongs of their ways and you know set things right again it's it's just too funny That's when funny. i think about it that way 
Yeah, it depends how you look at it, I guess, right? Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, totally. but you did get, you and Brad did get to perform it at the Oscars, but you know, the night that it won the original song, right? You actually got to perform. What was yeah. that? What was that like? Yeah. It was, oh my gosh. It was crazy. Um, my mom was sitting out in the audience and, and you know, I was backstage because I, I needed to focus and then we were back there and I just, you know, kind of didn't want to go anywhere. So she, um, you know, I got I got a backstage view of my own because I shared this backstage with Placido Domingo was back there and Sheila E was back there and um, the late great Natalie Cole was singing and you know she did the music from The Bodyguard. It was wow. it was it was a crazy crazy backstage area and I I just remember being okay. Why do I need to be out there? I mean, the people that I want to kind of hang around with are back here and it was incredible um yeah natalie cole was really cool i remember her being really really nice um yeah um so yes we got to perform it at the oscars and it was a forklift with a carpet on it that was our magic carpet for the evening um <laughs> hey and on the stage it was like all kinds of all kinds of stuff they created this it's like it was like a marketplace so you had fire breathers and snake charmers and you know there was a woman who was dancing with a snake around her neck i believe where she would be playing with it and it was it was wow it was crazy a forklift was... with a magic carpet i gotta say on a personal note side tangent that your forklift magic carpet is way better than uh what i did at a high school pageant with <laughs> we had like a pageant <laughs> The Mr. Linganore competition. My twin brother and I, I, I wore a pair of black sweatpants on my head as Jasmine's. We were pulled around by our buddies on just a, a rug, just around the stage. But I was lip syncing to your voice singing the song. So thank you for that. That's I hilarious. I should, I should say that. <laughs> yes, the uh, things that that song may have spawned the things that it's in sparked. high schools everywhere. Around the world. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, but I'm glad it won. Bring it back on top. I'm glad it won the Oscar that night. And it, I yeah, think won a too. Grammy for the Peebo Bryce and Regina bell version like the end credits version so yeah you got you know you guys did it you did it up um well before yeah. we run we have to say uh another your other Di huge disney role was the singing voice of mulan in mulan in yeah. 98 um yeah. i guess the spoken voice was how do i say it ming na wen was the spoken yes, voice that's correct yeah um but you ming got to you got to sing you know the iconic reflection you know memories of that and why you think that song is so powerful i think it's i it actually still is. I mean, I think that that song in particular is powerful because of, well, one, before representation was even a thing or even a byword or even like the word that it is right now and what it means, that movie was doing it. I mean, for a lot of young Asian women, for a lot of young Asian girls um, who as of that moment didn't have a Disney princess or a heroine that they could consider their own, here she arrived. And many of the voice cast was also of Asian descent. Uh, George Takei, again, B.D. Wong, Ming-Na Wen, myself, Gedi Watanabe. Um, and it was it was Frida Foshen. Um, I think Sun Tech Oh was also in it. But yes, it was this massive Asian cast that got to be a part of it. And so, you know, so it felt like quite a moment for us. Um, 
because we were starting to get closer to playing people that were more like us, I guess. I mean, I, I got to play, sure. I got to play Kim and Miss Saigon, but this was, this was going to be different. This was a hero and somebody who was already, I guess, established as a, somebody, something of a legend in China. Um, I mean, there's, there's poetry written about this, this, this person. So as far as memories of having done reflection, I mean, the situation was quite similar, very big orchestra. I'd have to sing it with the orchestra in isolation. And then, but it was kind of more like a work in progress because I would record one version first and then um, I would be called in the following year because there would be an additional song where I'd sing maybe one or two lines from it. <laughs> and then it was like, well, we had to change a little bit for the story. Would you be, would you record it this way? Um, this version of the song? Like, okay. And then I think I went back in a, a total of three times for that particular song. Um, yeah. Because it would keep the, the lyrics would keep changing. Uh, context would keep changing. The song's length would be changing as well. And yeah, so it was, I remember it, there being, it, it, there was more to it than it just being one and done. Um, yeah, so it, there were quite a few sessions that I had to come in for. <laughs> well, right. And because you also did pieces of other songs like Honor to Us All. And I think Marnie, yeah. Nick, Marnie Nixon, I think, is on a credit on that one, too. Yes, she was like the, the she kind of did what you did long ago by exactly being the dubbed so, over singing voice for all Audrey Hepburn and all those, you know, roles back and in the Deborah day. Kerr and Deborah and Natalie Kerr Wood. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was like the person to go to. And so I was kind of <laughs> now you're the. Yeah, person. but. Yeah, but I wasn't exactly hidden behind a curtain or anything. You know, there was exactly. there were no bones about everything. It's like this is the person who's singing. Exactly. <laughs> it was always exposed. I was never told to hide. So it's nice. Things had come a, a long way in that regard. Uh, all right. Thankfully, well, yes. You've been more than generous with your time, but um, before we run, I do have to, like, you know, I want to know, like, sort of the the post Disney period. Uh, you know, you're you're doing um breakthrough iconic roles in in Les Mis on Broadway. I guess you did the revival of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Flower Drum Song and Once on This mm -hmm. Island. There's been so many great ones, but do you have a personal one of of that period? You know, the post Disney stuff that, or or even I guess during the Disney stuff, but that you know that that is like your personal one you're sort of the most proud of oh i think it just hasn't happened yet oh, um right well so no it's it's currently in tech um but i'm currently part of the producing team and one of the cast of a musical that's opening on broadway very soon called here lies love and and i think i'm proudest of it because finally after having played all of these other roles on stage I finally get to play somebody of Filipino descent. I finally get to play a Filipino as in written as a Filipino on, on Broadway. And the entire cast is Filipino as well. So I'm, I'm here. I am so many years after, you know, making my Broadway debut at the Broadway theater in this Saigon. And now here's the show in the Broadway theater, but in a very, very different, you know, but something very different. And you know, it's 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 written by David Byrne and Fat Boy Slim, and it it's been quite the adventure. Um, getting to I got to see it in London when it was over there. It was first at the Public Theater here in New York City, and now it's going to be on Broadway, 
so many years after those first that first production and i'm extremely excited but again and proud but again it hasn't happened yet it hasn't seen an actual paying audience um but as far as something that's actually happened um i don't know i've gotten to or, or a favorite it would probably be a production of sweeney todd in manila because it was the very first time i got to play a baddie got to play a villain got to play somebody who's not really likable and having the most fun at it making the meat pies yeah <laughs> i love yes it. I, I love it. it i loved it so much it was so great well everyone keep an eye out for that show what's the title again that's coming up here lies love here lies at love the, at the broadway theater in new york city at the Broadway Theater, New York City. Keep an eye out for that. You can also see Leia Salonga on TV, uh, Pretty Little Liars Original Sin on HBO Max, Little Demon on FX and Hulu with Aubrey Plaza and Danny DeVito. You're a Disney legend. Uh, uh, <laughs> they crowned you that in 2011. Official Disney legend, Leia Salonga. Yeah. Um, check out the Broadway in the Park concert at Wolf Trap uh, on Friday. June 16th, uh, Aladdin, Mulan, all the stuff. We don't know what we're going to sing. You got to come out to, to hear the set list. So mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for taking so much time with us. This was so much fun. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was my pleasure. All right. Soaring, tumbling, freewheeling. We're out of here. See ya. Yep. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.